This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Welcome to MMA Takes Podcast. This is the Pick'em Podcast. This is where me, Brian Petrie, your host, picks winners, winners, chicken dinner for you, the listener, the place your bets for this weekend's fight, this Sunday's fight. Man, it's on a Sunday. I, I, I'm not crazy about the Sunday cards. I got shit to do on Monday. I prefer the Saturday cards. And this Sunday card starts a little later. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been bragging about the ESPN pacing. This one's on at nine o'clock on Sunday. <sighs> man, I don't want to sound like an old man, but boy, that's gonna be tough. I'm, I'll get through it. It's a really exciting card. Probably. And I might say this every week. I have to check the tapes, but probably the toughest card I've ever had to pick. Honestly, I take this very seriously. I printed this off. I have a sheet of fights, and I write down all the, the odds. I, I believe I printed this off on Monday, Monday or Tuesday. And uh, odds change, everything like that. But I sat here, and I had, and, and I go through, and I, and I go, and I fill out, you know, fill out the ones I do. I, mean, little, I keep jogging my marker, and now it's on the ground. Um, I, I, I go through, and I, and I pick the ones that I'm like, okay, this is, I'm not going to change my mind on this, right? This is the person, and I do that for the very first ones. Like I, you know, and then I, and then half of them are uncovered or not marked, and then I deep dive in their fight records. Like, okay, let, let's see what this guy's about. Let's see his last fight. Maybe I don't know much about him. So forth. Then I go through and whatever. This is the longest I ever did. I have two right now. We'll get to it when I die when we, we go to the fights. I have two right now that I have not check marked, and then I have another two that are you know little W's are next to both of their names. I'm still undecided. Maybe, maybe I'll, when I when I express myself, when I talk to you guys, I'll uh, I'll knock something loose, and I'll think about, oh yeah, no shit, that that makes sense. You know, when I break down these fights, but um, yeah, I'm excited. Listen, I'm I'm back in it, man. You know what I mean? I told you last podcast, two podcasts ago, that I'm I'm medically cleared to train. Start making some of my old contacts. Listen, I can't jump right back in with some of these fucking killers that I used to train with. Or new killers, or go right to a gym and think I'm fucking Billy Badass. I can't do it. I'm in terrible shape, right? Yeah, you know. Um, so hitting the bag a little bit, uh, knocking some things around. Neat. And this is how I know when I see I'm the asshole that gets geared out, right? I go overboard. Like I'm gonna be the I'm the dad that when the dad takes up cycling, he's gotta buy. The whole outfit, Lance Armstrong outfit with the bike, you know, he goes for it, right? I'm that guy when it comes to the gear, right? I'm a, I'm a gearhead and a lot of my, I mean, it's been six years. I've, I've hit the bag in six years. I, I've messed around with a couple friends. I've done this and this, but it's been six years. I gave a lot of my shit away. So, you know, I need, uh, I need some, uh, some new stuff or, and want some new stuff. And, uh, you know, six years ago, I was a young man, a young pup. I mean, really, eight years ago is when I guess I was buying all the shit. Cause that's when I really started. But six years ago is when I stopped. Eight or nine years ago, I was a young man back then. You know, I, you know I, things were expensive. And uh, so, you know, not to go down the road before we do the Pick and Podcast, but um, there's a, you know, there's this, I'm an older guy now. I'm like, you know what, maybe things 10 years ago was a little too expensive for old Brian, young Brian. You know, that guy had no money. You know, old dad Brian, you know what? Maybe those things aren't so expensive for this guy anymore. 
So I started going down the road of like what I should get. Um, obviously, I need a pair of gloves, a, a, a decent pair of gloves. I have my very first pair I ever bought from a company called Six Deuce. Shout out to Six Deuce. Not sure if they're still around. I know they went European for a while and then went to like women's leggings. But for for a time being, those were my well. I know I, I bought some shitty Everlast gloves. Those are my first like real deal gloves I bought, and uh, they're awesome. You know, a little beat up now. I mean, they, they they've been through the ringer. And then I gave my other gloves away uh, to a guy who was you know who didn't have any gloves. He was training, and then I gave you know I gave various shit away, gear bag, all that stuff. Anyway, I go the creme de la creme, the top notch, the Lance Armstrong bike, if you will, of boxing gloves is winning boxing gloves. It's a company out of Japan. If you watch any sparring session between any high level boxers, good chance they're wearing winning. Um, they all wear them. MMA fighters. If you catch Daniel Cormier training, uh, you know boxing, sparring, whatever, he's wearing winning. Cain Velasquez. They all wear them. Um, handmade in Japan. Expensive as shit, right? You can get them custom made. They take forever to get to you. You can only order them from like one website. That's fucking like uh, a website from like 1999. It's it's terrible, right? But they're really pricey. And I go, you know what though? You know, I've you know I I've waited this long to get back in. Maybe this is like a motivational thing to get right back into it. Let me buy these gloves again. Fucking twenty one year old Brian thought, uh, you know, a ten dollar sub was expensive. Still is kind of expensive, but you you get what I'm saying. So I go and I look for these winnings, and boy, they, I think they jumped in price. They're five hundred bucks. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Five hundred dollars for gloves? Ugh. I can't do it. I can't convince myself. I'm the asshole, the the fucking guy who goes overboard and gets geared out with some of the some of the the nice shit. I like having nice shit. You know what I mean? Like that's just that's just the way I am. But man, I I can't justify that. I really truly can't. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just it's devastating, right? Uh, not really, but it is. But you know, maybe I'll reward myself if if you know because I got to get in shape, and then if I go to the gym and I start getting in the mix with some of these guys. And uh, things start escalating, you know, and, and, and training becomes, you know, like every day and I'm putting in work every day. Then then maybe I'll reward myself. But man, I was I was jolted at that price. Like, what? So because I in my head, I thought they were like 200 bucks. And I was like, I can swing that 200 bucks. Yeah. For like, you know, the the elite level gloves that everyone loves. Yeah, I can swing that. But. The ones I want are like 480, 480 and I'm like, Ugh. and it says like, and if you get custom ones made, like ones where you can put your own colors in or whatever like that, it takes 120 to 280 days to get to you. Fuck out of here. I can't wait three days, man. I'm hounding shipping companies if my shit takes longer than three days to get to me. Fucking wait three months. I'll lose my mind. Anyway, I digress. Let's get to this card. UFC on ESPN, the very first ESPN card. Got a doozy of a card. It's Sunday the 17th. Um, I really like this card. I really, really truly do. This is better than last week's card. There's a lot of fights on here that I'm super, super interested about. And uh, let's just get let's get in. Enough about the gloves. First fight of the night, you got Alexandra Abu, who's 3-0, versus Emily Whitmire, who's 3-2. Abu is a minus 185 favorite, and Whitmire is a plus 150 underdog. Um, do not know much about either of these women. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, I know Abu, Albu is, uh, you know, she's obviously undefeated. She's got a lot of momentum coming in. She's got a win over Caitlin Curran, uh, in her last fight, uh, undefeated Emily Whitmire, I believe 
is a scrappy girl from Vegas. She has fights had a uh, she beat Jamie Moyle last time out, and then two in a row coming off the uh, female Ultimate Fighter. Cutie Patootie, Emily Whitmire. Um, you know, I'm gonna just go with Alexia Alexandria Albu. Uh, I'm gonna go with the favorite here. Simply because I do not I don't have enough sample size on either of them. I'm gonna go with just the favorite. I don't know enough about either of those games. And really, women's fights, if they're not the the elite level or the top 15, top 10 of any weight class, it's 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 a real crapshoot because um anybody can beat anybody unless you're like a top, top level fighter. But I'm gonna go with Abu. Next up, second fight of the night. This is crazy to me. This is a fight I'm looking forward to. We got Luke Sanders, who is 12 and 3. He's fighting Henan Burrell, who's 34 and 7. Luke Sanders is a minus 185 favorite. And Henan Burrell is a plus 150 underdog. That's a little crazy to me, right? I know Henan Burrell <clears throat> has really shit the bed lately. He's been, you know, the guy's in a different planet. I don't know if, you know, if the cough's medicine he's was taking prior is he's not taking it anymore. But Luke Sanders, to me, hasn't really done anything in MMA. He's been up and down as well. The best thing Luke Sanders did in MMA was date Becky Lynch. And the worst thing he did was break up with her because now she's like the biggest star in WWE and she's hot as shit. So props to Luke Sanders. A fly, uh, uh, I, know, I know he's a bantamweight. A bantamweight getting Becky Lynch, you know, that's that's a pretty big pull. But Henan Burrell, though, he's lost three in a row, all by decision. His last fight, Andre Ull, was a split decision. He got rocked a few times. His last win, I mean, he's won out of his last six, five, one, one and five out of his last six. Um, not great, right? Not great at all. Um, all those are by decision, though. You know, no one's finished him. TJ Dillashaw finished him, but no one else has finished him. Luke Sanders, up and down guy, you know, um, was an Arizona guy, I believe, and now he's in Nashville, which I think has digressed him. He's coming off a loss to Yanni Yaya by submission. Before that, he beat Patrick Williams. Then another loss by Andre Sukuman by punches. Kind of crazy to me that Luke Sanders is the favorite in this. I know a lot of people think Henan Burrell is done. I think that's actually a very favorable matchup for Burrell. I think uh, Luke Sanders, good wrestler, decent striking, but he gets very distracted. This is a big fight. This is a big name for him. He needs to show up for this fight. I don't know if he can. I think there's some kind of mental block there because I do think he does have some skills. I think he's tougher than he thinks. Um, that's just a confidence issue, I think. I think he's dealing with some kind of confidence thing. I'm not sure. I think the reason he left Arizona was to go to Nashville to be a little more comfortable because I think that's where he's from. However, um, yeah, I just I mean, I'm going to go ahead and Burrell here. I, I, I don't see how Henan Burrell can lose this fight. I think it'll be close. I don't think either of these guys are going to really like the show on fire. I think Henan Burrell can knock Luke Sanders out. Henan Burrell is tough to take down, um, tough to finish. He gets he gets rocked in fights. He gasses in fights. Um, Luke Sanders, I don't think he has a gas problem, but he does get rocked. He gets put down. He's, he gets hurt. He's submittable. I, I can see Burrell catching with something and then finishing on the ground and, and, and getting his first finish in a long time. Henan Burrell needs it. Um, you know, he's tried 45s. He's back to 35 now. I think 35 is probably the weight, right weight class for him. I don't like him. I didn't like him at 45. I'm going to go with Henan Burrell as the underdog. There it is. Next up, we got Jessica Penne, who's 12 and 5. She's fighting Jody Esquibel. I know she's Keith uh, Jardine's wife or girlfriend. I uh, did not pronounce her last name. I apologize. Jessica Penne is minus 175, and Jody is a plus 145. Um, not a lot of tape on either of these girls. Uh, I feel like P P uh, Jessica Panay been around forever. It feels like she hasn't fought in a while. Let me see. So she lost to Daniel Taylor 
almost a year ago back in April. And then she only, okay. So she's had one fight in 2015. She's had one fight in 2016 and she's had one fight in 2017. All three losses coming off all three losses. This is her first fight. Uh, no fights in 2018. First fight in 2019. So she hasn't fought in a while, almost approaching two years. Jody, a squibble, a squabble, a squibble. She's been a little more active. Um, she's coming off a loss to Jessica Aguilar and a loss to Carolina Kalavagadzic. Hottie Carolina. Um, both those girls are elite women that she's lost to. Lost decisions of both of those. Uh, you know what? I mean, shit, man. I mean, Penay hasn't been the most active. That's why I haven't really seen her name. Hasn't been the most active. Hasn't won a fight in a long time. And Jody's been active, training with a good camp. I believe she's down in New Mexico. She's at Jackson's. And uh, I'm going to go with Jody as an underdog. I love it. Let's make some money, kids. Let's make some money, boys. Let me make sure that line's still holding up. Okay, so Jody, out of all the major betting sites, is still the fav- uh, still the slight underdog. So that's good. That's the good news. That's the good stuff. So next up, we have Scott Holtzman, who's 12-2, and two, versus Nick Lentz, who's 29-9-2. Holtzman is a minus-190 favorite, and Lentz is a plus-155 underdog. This is, this is a tough fight. This is a fight that I skipped for a while. This is a fight that I had to circle back to several, several times. Scott Holtzman, I'm not overly impressed with him, and I don't know why. I've seen all of his fights in the UFC. He's a name that I, I, I just don't... It just doesn't jump at me. Like, oh, that's Scott Holtzman. He's a fucking killer. He's going to murder Nick Lentz. Because Nick Lentz is on the tail end of his career. I mean, I know he's coming off a win over Gray Maynard, who is, I mean, dead at this point in MMA. I'm not sure how they let Gray Maynard fight anymore. But um, uh, Nick Lentz is a tough matchup. He used to be a tough matchup for a lot of guys. Grappling base, always shooting, always taking down, smothering you. He still does that, but he just doesn't do it at a high level. He doesn't have the cardio anymore. Scott Holman is a young guy. He's coming off three wins in a row. Uh, coming off a finish over Alan Patrick. Um, and Nick Lentz coming off the finish over um, Gray Manor. We just talked about. I don't love Nick Lentz, right? I've, I've never really gravitated towards him. I've never really um, thought he was... He involved much. You know, he was in Minnesota. I believe he's at like a new camp now. Okay, American Top Team, right? He was in Minnesota uh, with that Sean Shirt crew and the Brock crew and, and 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 Greg Nelson, I believe, was the name of the coach. He was up there for a while, never really involved. Went to American Top Team, involved. He really did. I mean, I remember him and BJ were talking shit. He looked good at at at, at featherweight. Then I was killing him with the lightweight. But then you know he hasn't really put it together for me. Holtzman again, a guy that doesn't really jump off the page to me, but seems like. You know, the younger, hungrier fighter. So I'm going to go with Holtzman. I'm going to go with the favorite. I think that's a good line on him, too. I mean, minus 190. I think it's moving a little bit. A lot of people don't like giving, you know, Nick Lentz can beat anybody on any given day because of his wrestling. And Holtzman, again, I think he has that, he kind of has that stance with a lot of people. It's like no one really knows yet what he has. I mean, he's a very well-rounded guy. Wins a lot of his fights by decisions. Doesn't really have a ton of stoppages. I know his last fight was a stoppage. But his only loss in UFC was a decision to, or his two losses in UFC, excuse me. He lost to Drew Dover by decision. He lost to Josh Emmon by decision. Both those guys are kind of built like Nick Lentz. And both those guys are, are, are you know, I mean, Drew Dober is now it's kind of stand-up and striking. But both those guys are really good wrestlers as well and can take you down. Um, if, if I'm being honest with you, I haven't seen either of those fights. Uh, I haven't I haven't pulled the tape. I haven't pulled the tape on Scott Holtzman in a little bit. But I like Holtzman. I like Holtzman over Lentz. Lentz, I think, is getting a little long in the tooth. I think it's going to be a competitive fight. And I think down the stretch, I think Holtzman 
cardio and, and putting everything together with his punches and volume is going to be a little too much for Lentz. Because, I, I mean, Lent, Nick Lentz, is, he gasses too much for me. I, I don't like it. Next up, you got Andrea Lee, who is 9-2, versus Ashley Evans-Smith, who is 8-3. Andrea Lee is another minus 190 favorite, and Ashley Smith is a plus 145 underdog. Um, excited to see this fight. Andrea Lee's been through a lot of shit, her piece of shit husband. Tuned her up months ago. I'm not sure if he got caught. Um, if, if it did, it really missed my board. I hopefully did. I know he, like, fled. And, you know, she's the girl that wears a cowboy hat. And I think she's from Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, her, like, husband slash coach was, um, was, uh, was, um, he was the one with the white supremacist tattoo. And they're like, are you going to change it? He goes, no, that's, that's in the past. That's a reminder of what I used to be or whatever. And then, you know. Shocker, the guy with the white supremacy tattoo fucking beat his wife. Um, she's a very, very talented fighter. She's really, really good. Um, I'm, I'm glad she's taking a little bit of time off. This is her first fight in a little bit. Um, you know, she fought, I believe, what was it, May of 2018 when she fought? Yeah, May of 20, uh, yeah, May 19th of 2018 is her last fight. So, you know, we're going, we're getting up there in the months, but I think she needed the time off. Ashley Evan Smith, always tough, always game. Um, I don't think she has a ton of skill uh, for this division. If I'm being honest with you, I think Andrew Lee's going to be kind of a little more too skillful for her. I think um, Ashley Evans is going to try to turn into a brawl, maybe grapple a little bit. I think Andrew Lee's going to pick her apart. And I think wherever this fight goes, Andrew Lee's going to be better. So Andrew Lee's my pick. Um, minus 190 again, a little a little low for her. I thought I would have her close to 2-1. to one. Um, and, and I'm looking at now, and she has since dropped to a minus 75. Again, I like the, you know, it's so easy. It's so fun to pick underdogs and, and get that underdog money and doubling your money. And, and listen, I love it more than anything. I fucking chase it. I chase that goddamn high. However, it's smart to bet some of these low, these low favorites, these minus 190s. I mean, I know that's almost two to one, but she's dropping to minus 175. I, that That's where I get it, it. Once you get to minus 200 territory, it scares me a little bit because that's, you know, that's a little too heavy maybe sometimes. And then obviously if you get into the minus three, four, five, you know, whatever, it gets really scary because I mean, that's guaranteed, you know, Vegas is saying this guy, this guy or gal's never losing. But I like Andrew Lee at that number. And I think it's a really smart bet. I think Ashley Evan Smith, tough girl, been around a while, but, uh, but, uh, but I like Andrew Lee a lot in that fight. Next up, you got undefeated fighters. This is a fight I'm really looking forward to. Another real tough fight. I Literally do not have anything written down for this, so let's talk it out. Manny Bermunez, who was 13-0, versus Benito Lopez, who was 9-0. Oh, boy. Manny Bermunez is a minus 250 favorite, and Benito Lopez is a plus 195 underdog. I like the number by Lopez's name. I really, truly do. Manny Bermunez, if you've never seen him fight, he's the Bermudez Triangle. Submits everybody. So all three, so his two wins in the UFC have been by um, Triangle Choke, Davy Grant, Alba Morales. You know it's coming. And then his, oh, I was to say every single one. His last four fights, he had he had two in uh, Cage Titans and two in the UFC, all by Triangle Choke. He's won all his fights by finish besides two. Um, you know, I think he's a Boston guy. Trains at yeah, he trains out of Massachusetts. Tough dude, tough guy. Needs to work on a stand up a little bit. I think he has a good stand up. I think he knows what he wants to do. He's like kind of like a Damian Meyer. Like Damian Meyer can put a good left hand on you, but he's doing that to get you down. And Bermudez has no problem being off his back. Obviously, that's where he obviously wants to be with his triangle. But Nito Lopez, tough, tough guy. I believe he's coming off the contender series. 
Um, yeah, he's coming off a tennis series with a win over Steven Peterson. It was a split decision. Not the most impressive, but he showed he showed toughness. And then he has a decision win over Albert Morales. He's not a no. He's a little young in the game. Um, I've been, I saw his UFC debut. I saw his contender series fight. I think he's got some skill. Um, I like his ability. I think he's a tough guy. I think he's training with a good camp. I, he, you know, I think he's was or with Alpha Male. He's a NorCal guy. This is tough. This is really tough to fight. The only reason I'm really pausing on this is because I, I think Manny Bermudez is going to win. That's my pick. Okay, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cut the suspense out of there. Manny Bermudez is going to I think going to win this fight. But I think he needs to show a little bit more. We want to see the more we're around it. Like, if you're going to get all your wins by triangle choke, there's going to be a guy coming, especially in this division, no less, is going to figure that shit out. And you're not going to, he's not going to go to the ground with you. It's going to be a lot like the Ricky Simone, Ronnie Aya fight, where you can pull guard. He's going to pull away, you know, and, 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 and just make you stand back up every time. I don't think Bermudez is there yet. I do think he has some skill on the feet. I think he's, is, is, um, Obviously has to train that because everyone knows what he's going to do. He knows that, so he's got to train that. However, I do think this fight will end up on the ground somehow, and I think Bermudez will win this fight by submission. Benito is a tough guy, but he just doesn't have the resume yet. Um, he's, again, training with a good team. I think they're getting him ready for this fight. Um, I like the number next to his name. I, I really do. My official pick is going to be Bermudez, the Bermudez Triangle, which is, which is a decent nickname. But... I wouldn't be upset if you really put money on Benito Lopez because really I think anything can happen in this fight. And I think there is going to be a time, there's going to be a fighter that's really going to push Manny, push Manny to, to involve his game. And I don't know if that's going to be this fight, but it's going to happen. I want to be fucking right about it. That's what I, that's what I want to do. I want to be right about it. Next up, uh, God, the most impossible, one of the most impossible fights to pick. Next up, we got Jimmy Rivera, who was 22 and two versus Aljamain Sterling, who was 16 and three. Jimmy Rivera is a slight favorite at minus 170, and Al Aljamain Sterling is a plus 140. This line has moved. Let me double check the line here. Okay, so Aljamain is now at a plus 125, and Rivera minus 155. That's kind of what you get across the board. Rivera still being the favorite. Um. Man, this is a tough fight to pick. These guys are are destined to fight. They're both East Coast guys. Uh, Aljamain is Long Island. Jimmy New York, uh, excuse me, New Jersey. There is a um, you know, there's a um, a promotion out that way where they both are former champions from before they made it to the UFC. Guys are destined to fight. Same weight class. Ray Ray Longer, one of the Anderson Florian podcasts, and said every time they get together, it's friendly, but they're fucking jawing back and forth. They're you know you know when are you gonna fight me? When are you gonna do this? Um, Jim Rivera's never really blown me away. I think he's a really safe first fighter. I've seen him fight in person. Um, I think his skill is very high level. He knows how to point you. He's short. He's built like a fucking fire hydrant. He can crack, but he doesn't, he doesn't leave himself to crack. I think that's why the Marlon Marais finish was so surprising. I think that's actually going to hurt Rivera moving forward. Cause I think he's going to play it even more safe. Um, doesn't have a ton of finishes in the UFC. His last fight, he looked pretty good. He took a dangerous fight over John Dotson, won a decision over John Dotson. And then just has decision. Everybody has one finish in the UFC. Now it's his debut against Marcus Brimage. Other than that, it's all been decisions, split decisions. Got some good names on the record. Wasn't the most active guy for a while. Um, you know, taking fights here and there. Pulled out of some fights. You didn't see him a lot. But I think he's a he's a point fighter. And Al Jermaine, Al Jermaine is, is, is a guy whose stand up is is definitely a work in progress. Still, really good grappler. Really good. Um, 
Like if he gets a hold of your neck, he's a finisher. He'll submit you. He's he's looking for the finish with the choke. Hands not so much. I think he he, he leaves his chin a little bit in the air. I think he's a little wild. He doesn't commit to much of his punches. He's much more uh, comfortable when he's grabbing you, taking to the ground, getting hold of your fucking neck. I mean, um, you know, he, he I forget what he calls himself, the anaconda or something like that. I really like Aljo. I really do. I think he's a good personality. I've tried to get him on the podcast numerous times. I think he is a, 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 a good face of the division, good-looking kid, well-spoken. Um, people like him. He's, um, you know, he's just, I, I feel like this fight's going to come down to Jimmy being Jimmy, and Jimmy's tough to take down. I keep saying Jimmy like fucking the guy from Seinfeld. Rivera is tough to take down. He's a good wrestler. He's he's He's... Hard to hit, hard to look good against. He's going to get his points off. It's going to be a really close fight. I don't see a finish happening. If it is, Aljamain's going to maybe catch a neck or something and and and, and get uh, Jimmy out of there. I'm going to pick Jimmy as the uh, as the under, as the favorite. Excuse me. I'm going to pick Jimmy as a favorite. I, this is a again a, a pick 'em fight. No matter what the line is, it's a true pick 'em. Um, Aljo has really only looked bad once, and that was the knockout to Marlon Moraes. Um, other than that, he has looked really, really good in the UFC thus far. Um, I mean, he's coming off a, a crazy submission over Cody Stamen his last time out before that, beat an undefeated Brett Johns. He's beat Henan Brown, Augusto Mendez. I mean, his only losses besides the Brian Caraway, which I think he might've got screwed on. He's had two split decision losses and then the knockout by Marlon Marais with that knee. He's a tough guy to look good against. This is going to be maybe a boring fight. This is going to be possibly, um, just each guy trying to point each guy. You know, Al throws one big shot and then tries to take you down. I think Rivera knows that. I think they know each other both very well. Um, all week, though, Aljo seemed really confident on social media and everything. He doesn't seem worried about it. I know you're you're not going to fucking sit there on your Instagram stories pissing your pants. But he seems confident, which makes me confident. However, on my official pick is going to be Jimmy Rivera. I do like the underdog money on Aljo, though. I really do. I think that's a good underdog pick. Next up, we got Andre Feely, who is 18-5 versus Miles Jury, who is 17-5. Feely is a plus 150 uh, underdog, and Jury is a minus 185 favorite. Um, uh, Again, this is another fight that I, I can't pick. It's so tough. Um, this is if, if I had a, if I get to pick one fight I don't get to pick tonight, this this might be the one. Um, both guys are like the same, right? Um, they're both built the same. They're both long for the division. Philly's been more active. Jury's coming off a knockout loss to Mendez about a year ago, probably. Other than that, he 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 has these huge gaps in his fighting. I'm, I'm not sure what that is. Philly's been more active. I know he gets banged up every once in a while. Both guys, you know, are long for the division. They they like to stay on the outside. Philly has uh, really sneaky good takedowns. I think he's going to use that in this fight. Jury pretty good off his back. I know he's like a jujitsu guy. Um, one, both these guys need to win bad. I mean, Philly's getting some close decisions taken away from him, and he's winning a few that I don't think he deserves to win. Um, this is a tough one, man. I I wish I would I could go. Everything's telling me Jury, right? And this is a, you know, and I think Jury has left Alliance. I think he's now at TriStar. If I'm if I'm yeah, well, he says he's still with Alliance, but I believe he's training with Faraz for this fight, which Faraz is one of the best minds for the, uh, you know for MMA. Andre Philly's still with Alpha Male, but Alliance, Alpha Male, NorCal versus Southern Cal, that had a nice little rivalry to it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Jury. I wish I could take the underdog pick. I mean, shit, this is a real pick and fight. This is just throw it up in the fucking air and, and see which one sticks. But I'm going to pick Jury. I think he's going to be a little longer. I think he's going to be harder to hit. I think he's going to um, work his way back to the feet, and I think he's going to be able to outpoint 
uh, Andre on the feet. I think he's a little more craftier on his feet than than Philly is, and I think uh, I think he maybe catch him as well. Philly's chin's a little question, but so is Jury's. We get knocked out by Mendez, but Jury struggles with the short, stocky guys. I think the guy the the same length and height as him. I think that's going to be the Jury's advantage. I don't see this fight being a fucking barn burner by any means, but it, I think it's going to be a good competitive fight. But I'm going to go Miles Jury. Next up, we got Brian Barbarina, who was 14-5, versus Vicente Luque, who's 14-6-1. Barbarina is a huge underdog at plus 285. Vicente Luque is a minus 375 favorite. Right off the bat, before I pick who, who I pick, right? Before I who decides who wins. Brian Barbarina at a plus 285 is... Uh, unless he's fighting fucking Tyron Woodley, I think that's insane. This guy is so tough. It's a hometown game for him, right? He's from Arizona. He's fighting out of Arizona. Nuts that he's just high. Crazy, right? So if you're a Bar Brian Barberina fan and you trust the guy and you like toughness and you want to bet and you want to risk it, you want to fucking put your nuts on the table, bet this Brett, Brett Brian Barberina. I think this fight should be way closer. Vicente Luque is blowing me away with his last couple fights, right? He knocked out Jalen Turner, who looked great. Um... Vincente Luque, though, has been caught. Like, his striking's good and his ground game's really good. But he's been caught on the feet. Brian Barina's got a chin on him. He's going to keep coming forward, and he's gonna he's got some heavy hands himself. You know, he knocked out Jake Ellenberger's last fight, retired Jake Ellenberger, essentially. But Vincente Luque is hot right now. He really, really truly is. His last loss was to Leon Edwards. And then besides that, it was all the way back at the Ultimate Fighter. Ever since he got off the Ultimate Fighter, he's just been win, win, win. Win 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 over some tough guys. I mean, he's got Bilal Muhammad on his record. He's got he's got Nico Price, Chad Laprise, knockout on Jayla Turner. All his wins in the USC are by finish, right? And all his losses are by decision. I can't bet against Vicente Luque. I've done it too many times, if I'm being honest with you. I'm gonna bet Vicente Luque, Luque as my official pick. However, that underdog money on Brian Barberina is nice. If you want to get crazy, right? You you want like, you know. Um, you, you just kind of fuck around and go, okay, here's who I think is going to win, right? Here are my guys. Here are my locks. And you go, but these fights are kind of, I mean, Brian Barberina is prime candidate to get a nice return on your money, put him in a parlay, maybe put him in one of those crazy little underdog parlays you want to work on, throw three fighters in there. You know, I think there's an undercard heavy or underdog heavy fight too. I think there's some underdogs that could really do some damage here. All right, next up, we got Alex Caceres, who's 14-11 versus Chrome Gracie, who is 4-0. Caceres is a minus, or excuse me, a plus 260 underdog. Crone is a minus 340. I believe that line is held up. Um, yep, pretty much held up. I mean, a little drop, but Crone is still the big favorite. Um, man, this is the fight that's going to probably get me in trouble a little bit. I, I, I've I never been blown away by a Gracie besides Hoist Hickson, which is Crone's father, was great in pride. But, uh, you know, a Gracie, modern-day Gracie guy that's come over, that's the next big thing, has never really blown me away. Really, truly hasn't. Henzo Gracie seems like the great... He, he's number one. In my last podcast, I ranked the Gracies. He's the number one Gracie, in my opinion, right? He seems like a great guy, great coach, still fighting at 50, electric personality. Crone Gracie is not that right he the the espn plus is doing a destined like a documentary leading up to this fight um both these guys are are kind of duds i'm surprised they picked it i know they want to push the gracie narrative he's basically the gracie started the ufc they started the the huge mma movement in america 
But Crone is not that. I mean, you see him on the beach, like breathing and praying or, you know, getting, uh, you know, energy from the ocean. And then just not a lot of him training. The guy's incredible on the ground. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Alex Caceres has lost a lot of his fights by rear naked choke. If this fight goes to the ground, Crone Gracie, uh, without a doubt, will submit Alex Caceres. What I'm worried about is Alex Caceres is a good striker. He's a tough kid. Um, Crone Gracie hasn't fought in almost three years. 2016 was the last time he fought. He's 4-0. He's only fought. I mean, he fought Kawajiri his last fight you know, almost three years ago. Um, and, and, you know, he's training. He's doing the right things. He's training with the right people. I know the Diaz brothers are going to be in this corner. At least Nate is. <sighs> Every, everybody's on Crone. They love Crone. No one's sniffing Alex Caceres because of his, his record. And the fact that he is vulnerable to get taken down and get submitted. And Crone Gracie's probably the best guy he's going to have on top of him, you know, whether it be taking his back or, or he can submit Alex any different way. But he's Crone is is a little vulnerable on the feet, right? He, he leaves himself open. He gets hit a little bit. Stand-up's okay. He's a pressure fighter. He knows that his stand-up's to close the distance to get you down. Alex moves pretty well. Doesn't have the best takedown defense. And has crazy striking. You know, I don't want him in the first round. I don't want to see him throw these crazy strikes. He's going to getting taken down. That's the worst case scenario. But since all the experts and everyone, I might regret this, but everyone's on Crone, I'm on Caceres. That's a big fucking, we're going to hear it again. That's a big underdog right there. Alex Caceres is my pick. I think he can catch Crone. I think Crone um, is going to get caught with a bunch of stuff. And I think um, he's going to be hunting for a takedown a little too much and just get pieced up. And then it could be a decision win because I think Crone is durable enough to maybe take. Caceres isn't the heaviest hitter. I see Alex Caceres winning this fight. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I know I'm going to be eating my words on Monday probably. Um, I'm not confident in that. Um, but I like that number. And I don't know enough about Crone. And, and none of these Gracies, the, the modern Gracies that are the next big thing have really blown me away. Now, I know Crone's special. He's the direct descendant of Helio and Hickson. So he is special. I, I will admit that. He could be the different, the difference of all these Gracies that really kind of fallen flat on the main stage. But I do like my pick in uh, Alexis Harris. Next up, you got Cynthia Calvillo, who was 7-1 versus Courtney Casey, who was 8-5. Cynthia Calvillo is a minus 300 favorite. Courtney Casey is a plus 230. Crazy line. That's a crazy, insane big line. Calvillo, though, badass. She's actually at minus 325 now. What did I say? 300? Yeah, minus 325. I like Calvillo a lot. I think she's a legit, legit, legit girl for this division. I like that. Um, I think maybe going up to 125 might be an option for her in the future. But she's good on the ground. She's good standing up. Courtney Casey is as tough as they come. She's from Arizona. So she's going to have a lot of you know emotions going in there. It's a home game for her. I'll make this short and sweet. Cynthia Valcavio is going to, um, if not get a finish, because Courtney Casey is, is very durable, win the decision. Cynthia Calvillo will win that. Probably stay away from it because I don't like the line. I don't like how heavy that is. Anytime a female fight's that heavy, either way, it could go either way as well. So I wouldn't risk any money on that. Next up, we got James Vick, who was 13-2 versus Paul Felder, who's 15-4. Um, I know this someone, uh, this line has moved a lot. It was a plus 130 for James Vick and a minus 130 for uh, Paul Felder. It is now a minus 125 for James Vick and a minus 105 for Paul Felder. So someone placed a big bet on James Vick and has closed this line. Could have been James Vick. 
John Anik alluded that on Twitter that Vic could have placed a huge bet on himself. He is a gambler. Vic's picks, baby. Pretty good handicapper. Um, obviously, he's going to ride with himself. He's going to think he's going to win. Um, they've, they were, they've, they've been scheduled to fight for a while. I think Paul Felder's been interested in the fight for a long time. I think he's been training for this fight for a while. Um, like the, you know, the, I don't think the length's going to be that big of a deal for Paul Felder because he knows what kind of opponent he is. He looks to be in insane shape. I'm a huge Paul Felder guy in the cage, outside the cage. Um, I think Paul Felder's going to win this fight. I think this might be the lock of the night. I, I really don't know why this is so close besides maybe James putting a big bet on him. But even before that, it was a really close fight. I think James Vick has, has kind of showed his hand a little bit. He's a tough out. Like, listen, he's 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 long. He's lanky. He can he can pump the jab. He can he's got a decent ground game. He's got a decent choke. He can outpoint you. But for sure, Paul Felder might have trouble closing the distance. That could happen. But I think Jason uh, J- Justin Gaethje kind of made the blueprint. You know, stay patient, watch out for the leg kicks, and then close when you see an opening. He drops his hands. Uh, Vic, that, that is, and Paul Felder's a. Huge striker for this division. Huge, 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 powerful striker for this division. I like Paul Felder a lot. I think he's going to fight really smart, really tactically, and get a big win here and hopefully propel him um, further in this lightweight division. I think his last fight was the Mike Perry where he broke his arm, but that was at 170. Um, that really doesn't count to lightweight. I think he Paul Felder can really make a run at, at lightweight. Um, I think he's in a prime his career. I think he needs to get going here. But I like Paul Felder. I don't know if he's an underdog or not. Uh-huh. I'll give you I'll give you a taste of it. Um, but yeah, Paul Felder all the way. Main event time. Whew. The big boys. We got Cain Velasco, who's 14 and 2. He's a minus 200 favorite versus Francis Aganyu, who is 12 and 3, and he's a plus 160. Bye-bye. I've been a Kane guy for a long time. I won a lot of money uh with my friends on the Kane Brock fight. A lot of them were on Brock. You know, have you seen Brock's beard? Brock's so much bigger than Kane. I was like, dude, Kane's gonna Kane's gonna fucking smoke him. Been a big guy in Kane. I, I I've I've been a supporter of Kane. I think Kane is incredible heavyweight. I think I agree with DC. Might be the best heavyweight of all time. Stipe obviously has a problem with that. Um, Kane, without a doubt, has all the skills in the world. I rewatched his most recent fight, which was at UFC 200, which is 2016, July of 2016, and um, he fought Travis Brown. And uh, and he looked okay, right? You know, Kane is cardio Kane, right? Kane closed the distance, threw some big strikes, and uh, was looking for takedowns, hunting for takedowns. Looked a little slower, right? Fabricio Werdum, the Werdum fight where he gassed in Mexico City and got choked out, that opened a lot of people's eyes to some of his weaknesses, I think, and then his inactiveness. You know, he gets hurt a lot. He doesn't fight a lot. Um, he, no one really knows. I'm surprised he made it to this this fight camp, a lot of people, um, you know, are, are holding their breaths. I bet. I mean, this is this is a big main event for the heavyweight division. They need this. They need the big boys. Francis Aganyu obviously got his hand exposed with Stipe, um, lacking takedown offense and lacking cardio. Right? He got taken down, and 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 he. Everyone knows he has a big punch, but then he got cardio, and then he and then he lost to Derek Lewis because he was too gun shy. Then he comes back and fights Curtis Blades, who's one of the toughest matchups in the heavyweight division, and knocks him out. I'll be a Fairly quickly, but landed a right hand. Kenny Florian pointed out perfectly that the right hand that Igani landed on Blades was the same right hand that Dos Santos landed on Kane when he knocked him out the first time they fought. Kane got hit with a right hand in the Travis Brown fight as well. When you stay when you stay away from the sport for a long time and you're only working with the training partners that you've always worked with, even if you bring in new guys, the timing's different, the speed's different in that cage, the movement's different. That's going to be different. I don't think Kane's ever fought anybody as fast as Francis Ngannou. I just don't think he has. 
Kane also looks a little bit older to me, right? He looks like he's got, he's wearing his face a little bit this week. Seems happy. Seems to be in great shape. You know, Kane's never been like a ripped up guy. Seems to be in pretty good shape. Seems to be happy. Seems to be loving life that he's back. But him being away for so long with injuries and stuff, I, I almost feel like he doesn't love it. He's talked about how he almost walked away if the right fight didn't come on, come for him. I mean, this is a guy that's 16 fights in his career, one of the best heavyweights of all time. He's talking about walking away. He's not talking about fighting and getting there and compete. I think the, the, the competitiveness and the passion for Kane has really left. I'm picking Francis Agano. I think Francis Agano is going to catch Kane in the first round early, and I think he's going to knock Kane out. I've never thought I was going to pick against Kane Velasquez. I'm a Kane guy. I'm a Kane stan. I never thought I would, but I'm doing it. Francis is tough as shit. He is the real deal, and I think that he knows his weaknesses. I think he's obviously learned from the Lewis fight, and he's learned from the Stipe fight, and I think he's going to come out, and Kane's got to close that distance. Kane's not a big, big heavyweight. He's got to close that distance, and there's going to be an opportunity where Francis lands. I don't think Kane is ready for the speed and the power of Francis Agano. I think Francis Agano is going to catch Kane, and he's going to knock him out cold. First-round knockout, right? Um, very confident in that pick. I've been back and forth all week, but it donged on me today. I've been watching fights on either of these. Now, listen, a lot of people are on Kane. A lot of people think Kane are, is going to do what uh, Stipe did. Kane is a better wrestler than Stipe. Kane is more powerful on top. Kane Velasquez can get this fight to the ground and finish Francis Ngannou in the first round. That very well can happen, and Kane can be back. But I'm I, I'm not looking at the skill at this point. You know, when, when I'm picking fights, I'm looking at everything leading up to it. I'm looking at the littlest advantage I can get. Everyone's on Kane, like that I listen to, the professionals. Everyone's on Kane. But that number next to Francis Agano's name is really interesting. And I think he has enough power to really crack Kane. And Kane hasn't been a hasn't been around a while. Guy gets hurt a lot. All right. I'm really looking forward to the fights this Saturday. We ran a little long for the Pick'em podcast. It was probably my 10-minute rant in the beginning about gloves and how I'm a little fucking idiot and need to spend all this money on shit. All right, so that's it. Enjoy the fights on Sunday. Now, am I, I don't know if I said Saturday numerous times. I probably did. But the fights are on Sunday and Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So enjoy the fights. And um, actually, you know, and, and enjoy the fights on Friday. I, I didn't talk about Bellator at all. But Paul Daly versus Michael Page is on Saturday. My pick, Michael Page will win that fight by decision. And then Friday night is going to be Sergey Hiratanov versus Matt Mitrione, um on Bellator. And my prediction is... I think uh, Matt McTiernan will knock Sergey Hiratano off. Uh, and yeah, that's it. So enjoy all the fights this weekend.